I speak to you in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Today we carry on in the season of Easter reflecting on the implications of the resurrection and the the church that was born out of this uh, historical event. And the readings today all cluster around this image of the shepherd and the sheep, and we have that uh, a section of that great passage in John's Gospel about some reflections on shepherding and sheep and the gate and so forth, and we just got the shepherd bit today. And so that's where my thoughts have been uh, focused in preparation for today. And I'm going to start by acknowledging that in this metaphor, we are clearly the sheep. And uh, that's not a particularly complimentary uh, part of the story to be a part of. Um, I understand from folks who farm that um, cows are smart, pigs are smart, and that's where the list ends. And if they keep sheep, they will not tell you that sheep are smart. And uh, when I was younger and thought myself clever, I, I resented that I was considered a sheep in this analogy because I was a clever, or thought I thought myself clever, and uh, figured that I was the master of my fate and the captain of my soul and all those. And I don't, you know, I don't need shepherding. I can find my way. I've got lots of tools, and uh, I'll be fine. And uh, as I age and learn about myself more, um, I start to be more sympathetic to uh, identifying with the sheep. And uh, there's a clip that's making the rounds of the internet recently, and I'm going to show it to you shortly, um, where I think you can agree with me that um, uh, if you're honest with yourself, you can probably identify with the sheep in this little story. It's a silent clip. It's about 30 seconds long, and I will ask Frank to roll it now. Now, I know full well that after showing that clip, you're probably not going to remember anything else I say, but you will remember that clip, and that's fine with me because there's a lot of sermon in that one uh, little story. Um, and and I, I know that I am that sheep in so many parts of my life. I will be rescued. I'll be stuck. I'll be suffering. Someone will come along. It will, they will be Jesus to me. They will lift me out of my troubles. And the next thing I know, I'm right back in them again, like I haven't learned anything. And so with that recognition of how stupid I can be in the important questions in my life, in my relationships, in my habits, in my patterns, in, in the things that I do to make myself feel comfortable and safe, um, I'm much more sympathetic to being the sheep in the imagery and recognizing my need for a shepherd to follow. Now, the other, um, the other thing about shepherding that is really uh, important in this metaphor is that it's Middle Eastern shepherding as opposed to Western shepherding. So there's no pen or corral in which the sheep uh, are, are constrained. They just stay together in their flock. And in fact, they recognize the voice of their shepherd. Um, and and I, I was told once of a, of a modern experience in modern-day uh, Middle East where there was a... Um, there was an intersection, a street intersection, where two shepherds came leading their flocks, and they were calling out, and the flocks were generally following along, and they came through the intersection at the same time, and it was just an absolute madness of sheep and people, and it was completely insane, and yet the two of them just kept 
talking and calling, and eventually, like magic, the, the whole intersection cleared and the right sheep went with the right people. And that is the image of, sh- of shepherding that Jesus is relying on for his listeners. And so he says that, that the, the spiritual life, you know, following my voice, and Jesus here, of course, is the Logos, that second person of the Trinity, the voice of God, um, is like that sheep who can pick out that voice from amongst the other noises and trust it and follow it to the correct destination. And that really is the focus of my, my thinking today because the problem is how do you know that what you're listening to is truly the voice of Jesus? Um, I, I get into these conversations from time to time when I depart, for example, from the literal reading of Bible passages where I say, you know, the literal, literal reading doesn't make sense or doesn't match up with this other uh, part of the Bible or this other theological principle, and so it needs to be interpreted in a different way. And, it, and I'm very mindful that when I'm doing that, the Bible is no longer the final authority because I'm bringing some other uh, uh, considerations into how I interpret it. And so there are some passages which I take at face value, say, yep, there it is, it's exactly what it says, and other passages where I say, hmm, there may be something else going on here, or it may be a product of its time. And in that uh, selective approach to the different parts of the Bible, um, what I am trying to do, in the best case, is listen for the voice of Jesus, in, in classically, the Holy Spirit, in guiding my interpretation of the material. And so I I reject that um, sort of monolithic and authoritarian approach to how to find the voice of Jesus. The voice of Jesus is not only found in the Bible, it is not only found in the tradition of the church. And and this is where I'm grateful to the Anglican approach, where you have the classic three-legged stool of scripture, tradition, and reason. And all three of them have to be part of a conversation in discerning the voice of the Lord in our life. And these are, these are not the only voices that clamor for our attention. In fact, that's, that's in the best case scenario. Um, for the most part, when we're jumping back into ditches over and over again, it's because we're listening to voices that have nothing to do whatsoever with the voice of the Lord. And uh, I'm, I'm mindful in our public and political conversations about things like vaccines and masks that um, it, those conversations have been likened to clashes of armies at midnight between knights and their mooks, where the knights are the, the, the flag wavers and the, 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 the Instagram leaders with the millions of followers proclaiming their truth, and you have the, the other knights on the other side proclaiming an alternative truth, and they're, all their followers are madly following uh, after each of them and clashing online in various uh, comment threads, and increasingly clashing on street corners in various de- demonstrations. And they're following these voices, which in neither case is the voice of the Lord. And what's really going on there, as far as I'm concerned, is the reason that they latch on to these political voices or, or celebrities or whatever, whatever bright lights that they have uh, clung on to for guidance, um, it's because that voice is connecting to something in them which is yet another voice which is not the voice of the Lord. So uh, we, we have these phenomena of things like confirmation bias, where if somebody says something that we just emotionally want to agree with, we're going to conclude that it's right. And certainly our, 
uh, our social media algorithms are in the business of feeding us things that we're going to like and click on and react to. Um, and so the, the business of, um, there's, I, I, I'm, I'm full of these phrases, part of a long conversation about media manipulation and propaganda, um, that we are much more likely to react to an emotionally potent oversimplification than the truth, which is always going to be a bit more complex and nuanced. And those emotionally potent oversimplifications are, are, are uh, reaching into voices inside ourselves. So there are voices out there and there are voices in here. And it's pretty, it's relatively easy to distinguish between the voice of Jesus and the voice of, in this analogy, the hired hands who will run away at the first opportunity because they don't actually care about us, they care about themselves. And so whatever those external luminaries might be, we're pretty clear that those are not Jesus. The much more difficult challenge is learning about ourselves and the voices in our own hearts and our own minds that lead us astray and cause us to keep jumping into the same ditches over and over and over again. And those voices usually come from our anxieties and our insecurities. And, when, and, and this, this is part of the work of spiritual growth, spiritual direction, meditation, and prayer, to recognize those anxieties and insecurities for what they are recognize the thoughts that come from those anxieties and insecurities and learn how to let go of those thoughts and just allow them, accept them, but recognize that those thoughts may or may not be the voice of Jesus. And the Gospel of John and Jesus himself in John's Gospel is not particularly helpful is because when I say, how do I know it's you, Jesus? John's Jesus says, you just know. You just recognize me. And so for me, I, I, I can't say anything better than that because when I have recognized the voice of Jesus to the best of my ability, it's usually at some deep gut level that I am recognizing that that is the true voice. I can usually, when I sit back and I'm less reactive and I'm able to examine my thoughts and my feelings, um, then I'm able to say, hmm, that one probably is coming from this. That one's probably coming from that. That there might be the true voice of the Lord in this situation. What am I being called to do or you know, uh, react? Um, and it usually has something to do with being like Jesus. This leads me to my final point. The business of shepherding is a leadership image. And, uh, the, and one of the points in today's reading is that there are different kinds of leaders and we can trust Jesus because Jesus lays down his life for us. Not many leaders will lay down their lives for the ones that they lead. And, and so the business of sacrifice is embedded in the Christian understanding of leadership. And, of course, we can look at our secular leaders and we can criticize them, um, but, I, but I think that that's the framework that we have for those critiques. The framework is always that leaders must be willing to sacrifice themselves for those that they lead. And even as we get grumpy at our leaders for not making the sacrifices that we believe they should be making, we have to recognize that in that transaction we are asking other people to make sacrifices for us. And the voice of Jesus calls us yet again to say, well, of course, we, you know, 
we, we want people to make sacrifices for us so that we can feel safe and secure. And those are the same voices of anxiety and insecurity that cause us not to listen to Jesus in the first place. So when we get angry at our political leaders for doing the wrong thing as we see it, it's an anger that comes out of our own insecurity. And that is not really where I think Jesus is talking to us. I think Jesus is talking to us in calling us to be like Jesus in sacrificing ourselves for the other. And so in conversations about vaccines or masks, the question for the Christian is not what our politicians are doing wrong, but how can we serve our neighbors in our behaviors? Uh, Vaccines, masks, you name it, economic activity, policing, All of these things, the fundamental question is, are we all willing to sacrifice ourselves for each other? Because when we do that, we step into the kingdom of heaven. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.